Aloha, listeners. Welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and I am your host for today's episode. We are back with part two of our Christmas episode. This week's topic is called The Miracle of Christ. Flowing from last week where we spoke about the miracle of birth, we see in the Christmas story this incredible story of Christ's incarnation. Last week, we talked about some of the actual physiological changes that are happening in a baby right at the time of birth. This episode, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the theological components of this conversation. Christ made himself vulnerable for us, to save us. At the timing of this release, we got two days left in our Reach Canada giving campaign before we get into 2024. That means that there's still an opportunity for you to partner with us in donating to AC so we can reach our $200,000 goal. What do we want to do with that? Well, we want to reach Canada with the gospel. Full stop. So thank you to those who have already donated. For those of you who are praying for us, all of it is appreciated. We thank you for those that have also decided to be monthly donors and those who have done a one-time payment. Again, it all matters and we are so, so grateful. But that's all from me. Let's get into this week's episode, The Miracle of Christ. You know, I think we can learn a lot from the physical process of pregnancy and the birth, you know, when it comes to the theology of Christmas. You know, the first thing that really glares out when you're at a birth or when a baby is born is the fragility of that child, Mm -hmm. the vulnerability of that child. And to take a step back, this is what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate the incarnation. Yeah. But God enters history. God enters space and time. Mm -hmm. You know, John says in uh, 1 John, the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt Mm -hmm. among us. Yeah. We have seen his glory. The word John uses there is skinu for dwelt. It actually uh, means tabernacled. Yeah, meaning tabernacle. That yeah, that's right. refers to just the ancient feast of, of tabernacles. Mm. God actually pitched his tent with us. You know, it's such a daring and audacious doctrine, and the implications of it is so radical. But... What amazes me is the way he actually entered the space and time. He entered as a baby. But before that, he entered as a single cell, as an embryo, as a fetus, as a baby. There was a fragility. You know, the infinite, holy, infinite, powerful creator of the universe became human as a single cell as an embryo, as a fetus in the womb of Mary. And, you know, the implications of this is so breathtaking. You know, when theologians speak about the theology of of Christmas, they often bring up the kenosis passage in Philippians 5-8, where it speaks of Jesus being in the form of God did not cling to his equality uh, with God, but emptied himself. Yeah, right. Being found in the form of um, a slave and being born in the likeness of man. You know, the wealth of that, 
for just for our listeners, sorry to interrupt there, but just for our listeners, if you perchance are not very familiar with this theological term, kenosis is this Greek word for emptying, right? So the yeah. passage that you just read where Jesus poured himself out to nothing, that that mm-hmm. pouring himself out to nothing, that's what we that's what theologians call the kenosis. It's just a really fancy word for in a sense a simple meaning, but it's depth as as oh, yeah. this theological depth is just incredible. You know, it's so simple that any one of us can grasp, but theologians can spend weeks to months mm-hmm. just on this passage. Yeah. And you know, just mentioning that kenosis, you see that in him coming as a baby. He emptied himself. He emptied himself of his glory, but not his deity. Yeah. And the word kenosis suggests to pour out until you're Whoa. empty. We need to go back to that one yeah. more time. Yeah, I was like, hold right? on, that, that, hold on. Can you repeat that for, for us one more time? That he emptied, emptied himself. himself. Can yeah, you repeat he, that for us one more time? He emptied himself of his of his glory, of his divine privileges, of the riches that he had in heaven. But he didn't empty himself of his very nature, which was his deity. Cue the shout Preach. music. <laughs> I got my keyboard right here. I mean, I mean, he became weak so that we could become strong. He was rejected so that we could be accepted. He was wounded so that we could be healed. Yeah. He became sin so that we could become the righteousness yeah, of yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. He died yeah. so that we, the dead, could live. And he rose again from the dead so that we can have the assurance of hope and a joy that is independent of the season that we're in. Whether it's mm-hmm. Christmas, whether it's a season of suffering, we can have the assurance of this joy. Yeah. You got me. I'm, I'm about to run around. <laughs> I'm about to run around. There, there. There's so much reversal there, right? I yeah. mean, just the yeah. the fact of Jesus' existence, you know, those 33, 34 years of existence on earth has such implications for all of that. Where, where mm-hmm. we, that's sort of the, uh, Wes and I actually, a number of years ago, did uh, a Christmas episode on sort of the upside downness of Christmas. Yep. But it doesn't just stay restricted to Christmas either. Like, I mean, that's his whole life story. Everything. He's turning everything upside down where we would expect the strong, uh, the oppressive to flourish. He is saying, blessed are, right? The poor in spirit. Blessed are the persecuted. You know, those kinds of things. It's just so everything about him is upside down. It really is a, a beautiful thing to to look at you know and it's this scandal of grace right it's yeah it's absolutely mind-blowing how he how he sacrificed himself just as we're mentioning in his in his vulnerability i, I was sitting with araya uh, my daughter just yesterday and she asked me she's like daddy why why do we celebrate christmas like every year why do we celebrate Christmas every year? And it took me back. I was like, what do you, well, what do you mean? She's like, why do we celebrate Christmas every year? It felt like such an innocent question, but 
I think sometimes we don't actually settle and sit long enough to actually consider why this holiday is significant because what I was reminded in that moment is everybody has a different reason. Everybody has a different reason to why they celebrate Christmas. And I, and I was reminding her, I was like, well, this is the time of year we as Christians and believers, we, we choose to recognize the birth of Christ. Now, no Christmas, December 25th, isn't his exact birth date. We don't have his exact birth date, but this is the time of the year that historically we we choose to recognize him coming into the world for us. And she was like, you know, she I, I could see the, the clocks turning in her head. She was like, wait, but other people, not everybody does that. And it was just, it was just this beautiful moment where I was like, you're absolutely right, kiddo. <laughs> not everybody does. You know, I've seen so many people live and die without hope. Yeah. And this is the reason why I do what I do as an apologist, what, why we all do this form of ministry. And I think Christmas has become dangerous in a way to the general public in that it's a big distraction. Yeah. They use it as a big distraction or a diversion mm. to numb themselves or to anesthetize themselves from reality. Mm. But unfortunately, reality bites. The truth is what corresponds to reality. And when we off when we emerge from this Christmas season, we are we often have some of the largest amounts of mental health admissions, mm. um, you know, suicides, because people are grappling with reality. And you compare that artificial Christmas to the real message of hope that God became human and he did it for us. Yeah. He did it out of love and he did it to give us a real hope. Yeah. And that really is sobering for me as both a physician and as a Christian. Why do you why do you think that is? You know, we we celebrate so many different holidays throughout the year, but why is it that around Christmas do you find is it seems to be everyone always says this is a tough season for a lot of people, but I don't hear that about Easter. I don't hear that about Canada Day, you know, these are or whatever these these other significant holidays. What is it about Christmas, whether from the medical perspective or just you know um, <laughs> pastorally, as I see? Uh, do you guys find that this is that time of year that seems to be so difficult? I think people work themselves up. You know, they they work themselves up into a frenzy through the shopping, through the busyness of the season. And then after the celebrations, the fun and the frenzy doesn't actually satisfy the inner longings of yeah. your heart. Yeah. You know, Augustine said the greatest or wrote the greatest sentence that was ever written, you know, and uh, people have, have just commented on that sentence. And I, I really agree that it really is the greatest sentence ever written. He wrote... Oh, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find 
they rest in you. Mm. And our hearts will remain restless. We have been created with a purpose. We are God's workmanship, designed, yeah. infused with purpose and meaning. And we have been designed for a destiny, for our purpose. Like somebody said, like homing pigeons, finding their way home. Mm. Jesus is not just our origin and our destination. He's also our way. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. You know, um, just to add to what you're saying, Raphael, uh, which, by the way, th this is fantastic, kind of just kind of the, the direction you're going there and mm -hmm. the importance of hope. Um, I find that one of the reasons why Christmas is difficult is in some ways because things are going right in some aspects where this is the season when we, at least in the West here, we want to spend Christmas with family, right? And so everybody, um, you know, they, there's this big thing of, oh, I'm going to go visit my parents there, or, you know, we're getting together, we're having this family gathering there, so on and so forth. And I remember when I was in Bible school, Christmas was one of the hardest times mm. because I didn't have a safe home to go back to. And there were, there were many like us I, and so I actually, while I was in Bible school, this was a time when all of my friends would leave to go be with their family, right? So I would be left alone. Yeah. And so when you're holed up in your dorm room throughout the whole Christmas season, when all your friends are gone, spending time with their family and you're left alone, it took a really big toll on me. Yeah. Um, but that all changed one year. When I met my now wife, Sharina, right, we were dating at the time, and she invited me over to her parents' place where we would all spend Christmas together. Um, and so once school was out and Christmas approaching, this time I found myself really, I'm like, you know what? I can do this. It sucks, but I can do this. And the reason I can do this is because I have this hope that's coming yeah. up that yeah. I finally get to belong and spend Christmas with a family that is willing and ready to accept me. In fact, they already have, and I'm just going to go see them this Christmas. And that hope really sustained me. It really changed how I took on that suffering. It was yeah. very different that year. Steve. I'm glad you mentioned that, Steve, because really um, to have family is important. Yeah. And we really need to not underestimate the the body of Christ, the family into which we have been born into. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, Jesus even uses the symbol of birth to describe our new relationship um, as, a, uh, you know, our new state. We have been reborn and we haven't been reborn into isolation we have been reborn into the body of christ yeah into a family and we all need to play our part uh, as christians in this family and you know speaking about hardships i couldn't help but reflect on just how hard the first christmas was for the family of jesus yeah you know we speak about medically pregnancy involving two patients we spoke about jesus but often we forget about 
the role Mary played. Mm-hmm. And we think it was, you know, an awesome privilege for her to carry the the Christ child, God with us, was actually within her body. And, you know, as men, unfortunately, we will never know what it is to have a living being, a living human being inside your body. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in that culture... To, in that honor shame culture, to go and tell your parents that I'm pregnant, oh and my. then to come up with this excuse, you know, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, then to tell the husband that you have been betrothed to, you know what, I've, I'm pregnant, but it's by the Holy Spirit. And in an honor shame culture, that was literally a death sentence. Uh, yeah. She was guilty of adultery. And even Joseph, after he accepted the fact that, you know, this is the heavenly child, the shame that he would have experienced in that small village, you know, they committed, people would have assumed that they committed a moral evil, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. And then to go on this this journey um, as as migrants to Bethlehem, and Christian tradition associates the birthplace of Jesus to be a cave in Bethlehem. And there are numerous caves in Bethlehem, and Bethlehem had been an occupied village for at least a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. And we know that because David was born in Bethlehem. And the caves were often houses were built next to caves and there was no room for them in the houses of their families. Yeah. So they went into a cave that was probably occupied as an animal shelter for at least a thousand years. Can you imagine the soot on the walls of that cave, the animal smells in that cave and they laid him in a manger. Mm-hmm. And this was how the king of the universe chose to come into the world. Chose. It, chose. Takes your, it takes your breath away. How he loves the poor, how he identifies the poor. And, you know, just as w- one point that really uh, made me think, the most endangered human being in the world today is the unborn child. Mm. It is the fetus. Yeah. And if anything we can say is that Jesus was a fetus. Yeah. Jesus and John were fetuses. The Bible uses the word brephos, which is Greek for child. The same word as a living child out of the womb as a word up for a child in the womb. When the Bible speaks about how John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb, Mm-hmm. when he heard the voice of Mary. And undoubtedly, um, the most endangered human being is the unborn child, and yeah. not just any unborn child. It is a female unborn child. We live in an age where genocide is common practice, mm. especially, I'm rather embarrassed because of my Asian origins, in Asia, in countries like India and China, 
where the male child is deemed to be more important. And often women, once they discover that they are carrying a pregnant, uh, a, that they are pregnant with a female child, would have, mm-hmm. often have an abortion. Mm-hmm. And, oh boy. you know, we, we, that, that's a, such a heavy topic and personal topic for me as well. Mm-hmm. We won't get into all of the details there, but I, I'm just reminded of, again, kind of going back to the idea that God made himself vulnerable yeah, in the person of Jesus Christ, right? And let's let's just put it this way: uh, my wife and I, we had a chance to go visit with an OBGYN who told us actually that it's actually quite amazing that people do come out healthy because in that process of all the cells dividing and all of that, any number of things could go wrong, mm-hmm. and often things do go wrong, and you're you know, the woman's body actually rejects it, right? Yeah. Because something has gone wrong. So God is undergoing, in the person of Jesus Christ, going undergoing all that process. Yeah. And then you're born, right? And and this almighty God, who is all-sufficient, provides everything, right? In, in whom we live and move and have our being. Now he is the one who is at the mercy of, of this young woman from backwards nowhere in the Roman Empire yeah. to feed him, right? I mean, just just that 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 vulnerability. I I think the more we sit and think about that very physical process that it took, the more we have this appreciation of just how weak the all powerful God became in order to tabernacle among us and yet God with us and, and yet. yet by that brilliant magnificent fearful wonderful design everything is in order he holds everything in this life in the tension in the balance between time and under and space and our comprehension and his majesty he holds it all in order when you when you were breaking down the different proceeds, you know, in in part one of the podcast, where you're talking about the the, the placenta and the different valves or detours that happen, and then you look at the detours th- through the genealogy of Christ, right? You look at the the line of uh, the line that led to Christ. That in and of itself brings such a hope during this season brings such an encouragement to me in, in my own life and listeners this should encourage you in your own in your lives as well that god has an order god has like it, it says he works out all things for the good of those that love him and no that doesn't mean that you're gonna get absolutely everything you want but but when you choose to follow him your desires are no longer your own you recognize his sovereignty and you can rest in that because he's shown over time that he's got it all under control. Amen. Yeah. But another thing I really wanted to mention to connect with what Raphael was just saying about the, the vulnerability of the preborn child, the one that is so often dehumanized, is this idea of how in God taking on human form, putting on flesh and dwelling amongst us, in theological circles, we all talk about how 
this was God's way, in a sense, of showing, you know, how valuable human beings are,、mm-hmm. right? And this is God's sort of compliment of, listen, you are valuable. You're in fact so valuable. I'm going to become one of you and come live with you.、Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about all of the human things that he went through. You know, being tired, being hungry. You know, being angry and being. You know, he probably had body odor. You know, when he couldn't take a shower, you know, or a bath, or or something like that. And he ate, he drank, he went to the bathroom. Like all of these human things, yeah, was all a way of saying, "Listen, this is this is how beautifully and wonderfully you're made. I'm willing to be one of you and live with you." Yeah, and just hearing Raphael describe the process of pregnancy, you know, what just dawned on me is the fact that. That includes not just born stage of human life. Jesus didn't just come at the moment of birth; he went through the whole process, all nine months of pregnancy, starting with that miraculous conception. And、yeah. so, this is God, you know, affirming the value of a human life, not just at the end of his life, but at the beginning as well.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that. One of the first heresies that the Christian Church actually had to fight against was the absurdity of the Word becoming flesh. You know,、uh, the 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 theory of of gnosis or the Gnostic、um, heresy.、Uh, they could not comprehend that the flesh could contain God. And because、uh, the flesh was seen as as dirty, it was seen as、um, transient, and death was seen as a release from the from the flesh, and all that mattered, all that was holy, was the spirit.、Uh, but God, in His incarnation, shows us that He has a plan for the flesh. Yeah, that that's good. His plan is to redeem us. And there's no greater proof of that by by Jesus being fully God and fully human, rising again from the dead, having a glorified body. This is the hope for all creation, for all human beings. Not only did He give us dignity by coming in our flesh, He gave us hope for the flesh, for our bodies, that one day God is not going to discard our bodies. They're going to be glorified.、Mm-hmm. He has a plan for it. That's so good. I, I, th- this has just been such an, an amazing conversation.、Um, you know, thank you, listeners, for listening to to part one and part two, as we have really spoken about the miracle of birth and the miracle of Christ、um, during this Christmas season. I would be remiss if I didn't say from all of us at AC. Have a very, very merry, merry Christmas and a happy New Year. And I pray, without it being cliche, that we truly remember the reason for the season, and that is Christ's incarnation, Him coming into the world. Raphael, thank you so much for sharing with us today and spending some time with us. It's always great getting to connect with you. Yeah. If there was anything that、uh, you know you you wanted to maybe direct our listeners to in regards to maybe. Maybe you write a blog. Maybe there's some way people could just stay connected with you. How? Where would you direct people? 
the AC website. <laughs> <laughs> Apologetics <laughs> Canada. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Can I just uh, can I just end with a scripture? Please, I just please. feel bubbling up inside me. Uh, it's Galatians four four to five, and it says, "In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law." to redeem those from the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. He did this for us, guys. That's the reason for joy this season. Mm-hmm. Amen. Receive that blessing, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into the AC Podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe on all of your favorite streaming platforms as well as on YouTube. We will see you in the new year. And, uh, but until that time, you know the drill. Love God, love people. Bye for now. It's the AC Podcast. Podcast.